we have uh, three readings, all of which tie in with the kingdom. Uh, Turning first of all to Luke chapter 11, page 1042 in the Church Bible, where in his prayer that he taught his disciples, uh, Jesus reminded them to pray for the kingdom of God. Luke 11 and verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And then we turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Page 1211. And verse 22. The Apostle writing now to Jews who have come to believe that the Christ is indeed revealed in Jesus and is in fact Jesus. But in danger of turning back uh, to the old things of the Jewish religion. And in Hebrews 12 verse 22 uh, the Apostle reminds them. But you have come to Mount Zion. And they were used to Mount Zion being in the earthly Jerusalem. And the apostle says, the heavenly Jerusalem. The city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we? If we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth. Referring to the time when the Ten Commandments came on Mount Sinai. But now he has promised. Once more I will shake not only the earth. But also the heavens. The words once more indicate. The removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Speaking of the end of the world. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And finally, we turn uh, to Revelation. I don't know what's gone wrong in terms of my uh, page numbering here. 
but certainly not page 19. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, it's page uh, 1241. Page 1241. And here now, John, uh, the last surviving of the apostles, uh, is given um, an understanding of how things will be when the Christ comes again. And we read from chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God, fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your saints, and those who reverence your name, both small and great, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant, and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Amen. Let us unite together in prayer. Let us stand to pray, please. Almighty and eternal God, we draw near to you this evening in Jesus Christ, your Son, the one whom you sent down from heaven to earth, the one who reveals you in your glory and your majesty and your power. And we thank you for all the mighty works that Jesus did on this earth, showing that he was and is the King that he was and is God and has power to heal sickness, power to control the wind and the waves, power to cast out demons, power to raise the dead and power to forgive sins. We thank you, Almighty God, that these works of Jesus were signs of the kingdom, that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, had now come in the person of his Son. And Lord God, we thank you that the King completed his work by laying down his life on the cross, by taking it up again on the third day, and so accomplishing by his life and death a great salvation 
A salvation that is offered to the whole world. A salvation that is offered to each one of us. A salvation which is real and meaningful and life-changing here and now. A salvation that includes the forgiveness of our sins. That brings us into peace with God. A salvation which we will enter into in all its fullness and glory in heaven. We thank you, Almighty God, that we are given these glimpses of the kingdom of God. And these assurances that your kingdom has come and is coming even today and will come at the end of time when the King comes again in his glory. We ask Almighty God that you would indeed be at work in our hearts and in our lives and that this evening as we meet together and as we consider together this phrase that Jesus taught his disciples to pray that it would be a reality in all of our lives. Help us now by your Holy Spirit and give us understanding of your word and give us not only understanding in our minds but also give us in our hearts acceptance of your word so that it takes root in our hearts and so that we are those who belong to the kingdom of God and those who love and serve the king. We ask these things praying tonight Again, for the forgiveness of our sins. And praying tonight again for the earthly kingdom of which we are also a part. We live in this world. A world that has fallen and broken and sinful. A world in which the hatred of man, one towards the other, can so easily break forth and express itself over aspects of the earthly kingdom that ultimately will not last and that ultimately do not matter. Lord, deliver us in our land, we do pray you, from thinking only of earthly kingdoms and whether we belong to the kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland or whether we belong to the kingdom of the United Ireland. Help us to realise and help our fellow citizens to understand that there is another kingdom and there is another king, a king whom we are to and whom they are to know and to love and to serve, King Jesus. And help us to make him known and to see his kingdom come in our land for his glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us here are aware that in our evening services uh, we have actually three series going um, throughout uh, each month. Uh, One service in the month we focus on the calendar text uh, and we did that last week. Um, We normally 
uh, do that this week, but we switched it around last week because of our outreach craft fair on the Friday evening. A second series on the first Lord's Day of the month um, is the series Lord Teaches to Pray. And then the third evening in the month, which is next Lord's Day evening, our series is Getting to Grips with the Bible. And it is a very deliberate decision of us, uh, of our session, uh, and of me as the teaching elder, to these three themes running side by side in the ministry of our congregation. Our preaching and our study, our consideration of the calendar text is because we want people that we know and people who come into our services from the community to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour and Lord. But then we who know Christ and those who come to know Christ, we believe that prayer and the Word are vital to our spiritual well-being. Prayer and the Word, prayer and the Bible are the means by which we as Christians grow up in our faith. They are food and drink to our souls, in other words. But also then, prayer and the word, they are the tools that Christ has given us by which to reach others for him. And Jesus' disciples, the twelve that he chose from the crowds that were flocking to hear him, the twelve were exposed to both prayer and the word. And they were exposed to prayer and the word in his personal life and in his public ministry. And one day, seeing Jesus give himself yet again to prayer, they came out with this statement that is recorded in the Gospels, this request, Lord, teach us to pray. Oh, that we could pray like you, Jesus. And we have seen John teach his disciples. And we want you to teach us, as your disciples, how to pray. Prayer is a vital mark of the Christian. It was said of Saul of Tarsus, after his conversion, Behold, he prays. And if there is a work of God that is salvation in our hearts and in our lives, we will be men and women who are yearning to learn how to pray. And Luke chapter 11 records, and also it's recorded in Matthew, the um, prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It wasn't um, um, a dogma that they were to use every time they prayed. In other words, it wasn't something they were to rhyme off, but rather it was a framework. Here's the framework uh, that should be there in all of your prayers. That's what Jesus was saying. And from this prayer, we have noted already that prayer is a priority. We've noted that in prayer, the Christian approaches God as our Father. 
And as we are reminded in our prayer meeting this evening, what a glorious thing that is to be able to come before the Almighty God, maker of the heavens and the earth, this one who is high and holy and lifted up, infinite, eternal and unchangeable, and to be able to say to him, Our Father in heaven. As we approach God in prayer and as we seek to learn to pray, we need to be equally conscious of God's holiness. Hallowed be your name. And we thought about that a month ago, thought about how that's got a mark um, and characterize our speaking to God and our living before God. And tonight we come to our fourth study, Your Kingdom Come. Your Kingdom Come. And this is the second of six requests that lie at the heart of the prayer. If you're not familiar with this prayer, then at the very heart of it are six requests or petitions. Hallowed be your name, which we considered a month ago. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. Now, has it ever struck you the balance and the priority that exists in those six requests? The first three focus on God's agenda for our lives. Your, hallowed be your name. Your name. Your kingdom. Your will. And then the last three focus on our needs. Give us, forgive us, and lead us. And I think the, that balance, and indeed that order in which the six petitions or requests occur, is significant. Jesus taught his disciples to pray first not for their agenda, not for their needs, but for God's agenda in their lives. And I wonder, are we like that in our praying? When we pray, where do we begin? Is it not the case that too often we begin with some practical need? Some pressing circumstance here around us. Instead of praying first for God's agenda. Your name. Your kingdom. Your will for my life and for our lives. Or perhaps we're still we never actually get beyond the give us. And at no place does God's agenda, your kingdom come, really feature in a meaningful and life-changing way in our praying. Now these sermons and the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, they're designed to help us to pray. And so I don't, in these sermons, intend to get into 
the theology, for example, of the kingdom or the theology of God's sovereign will, I don't think that's what Jesus intended us to do. After all, this was intended, these and this prayer and these requests were intended to help these people with the practical task of praying. And I could preach you a whole series of sermons on the kingdom. But it would it really help you to pray. And so tonight, my focus is a very deliberate one, and it's a very narrow one, to help us to pray in the light of this phrase, Your kingdom come. What did that mean for these men? They were at the very early stages of their Christian life, of their Christian ministry. And they didn't have all the theology of the rest of the New Testament that we had. But this phrase, your kingdom come, was going to shape the lives of these men. And was going to turn their lives upside down in very practical and meaningful ways. And that, I believe, is what Christ wants us to discover in this phrase, your kingdom come. Not all the theology and all the doctrine. But how this is to turn our lives upside down. And is to shape our thinking and our praying. So what simple truth are we to learn about prayer from the words, your kingdom come. Well, very simply, these words teach us to pray for the king's work. They teach us to pray for the king's work. That's to be the great focus in our praying. The work of the king. The work of his kingdom. And when I say the king's work, we're praying for the work of Christ the king. That's what the thrust is. That's what the emphasis is. Now, on what basis do I say that? Well, look at the again at the words of verse 2. Your kingdom come. And that word kingdom, if you have difficulty remembering what it means, then take the last part of a dome and lengthen it out, dominion, and put the first part of it after it. It's the dominion of the king. The kingdom is the rule of the king. It's the dominion of the king in our lives, in the church, in the community, in the nations, in the earth. It's that wide. Your kingdom come. The work of the king. May it flourish at all of these levels. So these words, your kingdom come, teach us to pray for the king's work. And the king's work has two parts to it. And it's on the rear side of the order of service. Christ, what is he doing? He's bringing the kingdom of grace now. And he's bringing the kingdom of glory in the future. And when we pray your kingdom come, we're praying Christ, King Jesus, bring the kingdom of grace Extend the kingdom of grace now and hasten the kingdom of glory in the future. 
Let's look at it in this practical way then. Praying for the kingdom of grace. Praying for the kingdom of grace is nothing less than praying for God's salvation in Christ to transform the hearts and lives of men and women. Your kingdom come. Lord Jesus, King Jesus, transform the lives of men and women. That is your great work. Do it to the glory of your Father in heaven. Now how does that impact us practically? Well, when we pray your kingdom come, we're to have ourselves in mind. Yes, you're to have yourself in mind. And you're praying that the salvation that you have already experienced in Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of your sins freely and fully, past, present and future by Christ, you're praying that that new life that has been planted in you, that it will what? That it will grow. That it will deepen. That it will flourish. Yes, it began in you as a little seed. In the same way as you plant a seed in the ground with a seed of wheat or the seed of a flower. And then it's got to go down. And then it's got to come up. And it's got to blossom and mature. And so we're praying, your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, in my life. I want your character. I want your likeness. I want your image, your conduct to be stamped upon my life and mirrored in my life more and more. Now, when we pray, your kingdom come. We also have our families in mind, do we not? Those that God has put us alongside. Father, mother, brothers, sisters, children, grandchildren. And yes, we will pray for our families in the needs that they have day by day. And it's right that we should pray for them in the challenges of work and the challenges of just living life each day. But above all, are we praying for them, your kingdom come. Lord Jesus, bring your grace into their lives. Because what shall it profit them if they gain the whole world? And if their material life and their everyday life is comfortable and easy, and they lose their own soul. They're not right with God. Through the Christ. When we pray your kingdom come. We're to have in mind our church. As we pray for one another as fellow believers. Yes. We again pray for one another in our practical and material and family and individual needs. 
but above all our spiritual need. As I pray for Johnny, I'm to pray, your kingdom come. As I pray for Rosemary, I'm to pray, your kingdom come. That this work of grace that God has begun will be going forward in the lives and the, uh, of the members of the church. But then we widen it out again. And as we pray your kingdom come, we're to have in mind our community. Our community. Because we're living in the days of grace. The days when the gospel is to be taken by the church and we're doing that in a whole series of ways out into the community. You do it when you go into your daily work every day and you do your work in a way that honours Christ. You're doing it as you show friendship to your neighbour and others around about you. You do it when you speak the gospel. And all of that, as we pray then for our community, Yes, we want to see good relationships in our community. We want to see understanding advancing in our community between different political uh, and uh, ideologies. But again, we've got to pray, your kingdom come. Because someone said to me this morning, and said to a couple of us this morning at the end of church when we were talking about just the tragic and sad events of this past week they said rightly that we need to see the work of God the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of men and women in our land and in our province because again it is the king it is Jesus who changes the old hatreds and animosities and takes those away so pray, when we pray for our community, have in mind your kingdom come. That applies then to our land, uh, the whole nation of Ireland. But then it applies also to the nations of the earth. The nations of the earth. We're living in the day when the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the King, the work that he's done on the cross, laying down his life, for the forgiveness of sins and for um, the provision of salvation freely to all men. And that is to be proclaimed not just to the Jews, not just to people in Northern Ireland or the United Kingdom or in Europe, but across the nations of the earth. And so we ask ourselves, when we pray your kingdom come, do we have an international dimension to our prayers? Are we praying for the kingdom to come? The kingdom of God's grace to come now in the nations of the earth. We're praying then for the king's work. The work of grace. That will be accomplished at all of these levels. So let's ask ourselves, as we think about our praying, is the kingdom at the heart of our praying for ourselves, for our families, for our church, for our community, 
for our nation, for our world. Is this the great recurring refrain? Yes, we don't um, use this phrase in a part-like fashion, but behind everything is that desire that people will come to believe in Jesus, who is the Saviour. That's what Jesus was teaching these men. And these men grasped that. Not immediately. But this was a truth that dawned on them more and more. And by the time Jesus left this earth, these men were on fire for the kingdom. And Jesus spoke to them in Acts chapter 1. Part of my difficulty tonight was choosing the passages of scripture to read. There are so many of them to do with the kingdom. And Acts chapter 1, Jesus spoke to them in those 40 days about the kingdom. And here's how the kingdom's going to come. And these men's lives were turned upside down. And they died, um, many of them, to see the kingdom come. Let's notice then secondly, and much more briefly, praying Not only for the kingdom of grace now, but praying for the kingdom of glory. This is the future aspect. This still lies before us. And praying for the kingdom of glory. What aspect of the king's work are we praying for here? Well, we're praying for his coming again. We're praying for him to come again. Because it is that great reality that will bring to pass those things that we long for in our hearts and in our lives. Joy in all its fullness and peace and the removal of sin and the overthrow of evil. The things that are all part um, that are that living in a fallen, broken world, that those things we come up against day by day, we're praying that they will be brought to an end. So praying for the kingdom of glory is praying for Jesus to come again. Yes, his first coming 2,000 years ago was to purchase the salvation that we've been just talking about. But it is also preparatory to his second coming. And it also guarantees his second coming. Because yes, there's a salvation that is offered now to the whole world, to all men and women everywhere. But not all will be saved. Not all will believe. Not all will repent. Not all will accept the answer to their sin that is the Christ. And so, Scripture tells us that if we will not accept the Christ who took the judgment for sin, then men and women and boys and girls who reject him will have to take themselves the judgment of God and upon themselves the judgment of God for their sin. 
And so Christ is going to come again. He's going to come again and he's going to deliver his people and he's going to judge the ungodly. We sang about it there in Psalm 145. Came up again in our reading in Hebrews and also in the Revelation. When Jesus will come again, none of us knows. But it will happen suddenly. It will happen unexpectedly. Jesus talks about people going about everyday life. Buying and selling. Building and renovating. Marrying and, uh, and all these everyday events of life. And the, the king will come again. In the midst of people caught up with those things. He'll come again publicly. Every eye will see him. But he came the first time. Only a handful of shepherds. Few wise men. Only a minority saw him. Only a little, little handful. But when he comes the second time, everyone will see him. He's coming publicly on the clouds of the heavens. And just as we can see the sun every day uh, in the heavens. And whatever part of the United Kingdom you're in, you can see the sun. When it's a good, glorious summer day. In the same way, everywhere the Christ will be seen. And he will come in his glory. He came before his little baby. He came before in a way that spoke of humiliation. God becoming man. But now he's going to come again in his glory. And no longer will his glory be hidden. Now his glory will shine forth, we're told, like the noonday sun. Like the noonday sun. And he will come to judge the living and the dead amongst humanity. And then the judgment of the angels that rebelled against God in heaven. Their judgment will come. We read about that in the book of Revelation. We're told that when he comes again, the wrongs that have been done that were not righted in this life, that they will be righted then by the judge of all the earth, who always does what is right. And that is coming again. He will recreate the heavens and the earth. And sin and all its ugly consequences, sickness and death, and all the other consequences that we see in our own hearts and in our own relationships and within our society, all of that will be removed from his world. And holiness again will be the distinguishing feature of every person and everything that is found in this completed kingdom. This is the kingdom of glory. And as we pray, your kingdom come, we're not simply praying and only praying for salvation now. We're praying for that perfect, that perfection in the future, that judgment that will come with the King. And God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will then dwell in the midst of his people. 
and justice and peace and joy and righteousness will reign forever and ever and ever. Is it any wonder that when the angels in heaven and the redeemed in heaven are told that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever that they break out in spontaneous worship and they fall down and they worship God. We give thanks to you Lord God Almighty. This coming of the kingdom, which we're thinking about here, that's what Hebrews has in mind when it talks about the shaking of the kingdoms of this world. But it reminds us and assures us that in Christ we do not need to be afraid of that day because it holds no terror for those who are who belong to the king those who know the king and so there's two questions that come to us by way of application as we close this evening first of all an application to those of us who are Christians are we living for the king and his kingdom Are we living for the king and his kingdom now? Are we preparing for the kingdom of glory now? Are we praying for the kingdom of glory now? Because the reality is that if we're not preparing for the kingdom of glory now, that kingdom that is going to be marked by holiness and righteousness, If we're not living for that kingdom now, what basis do we have for thinking that if it was to come in a second's time that we would want to be in it? That we would have a right to be in it? Or that we would have a place in it? If we want this kingdom of glory to come and to be part of it, we have to live now in the light of the kingdom. We have to live now in relationship with the King. And that brings me to my second application. Which is to anyone who's not a Christian here tonight. And are you ready? Are you ready for the coming of the King? If you have not come the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and in faith in the light of your sin and asked him to save you then the reality is you are not ready you are not ready but you need to be ready and you need to seek now this kingdom of grace so that you will belong and be part of Of the kingdom of glory. You're not a Christian here tonight. Your prayer literally has to be. Your kingdom come. In my life. Lord Jesus. Become the king. Of my life. 
And Jesus, when he was on this earth, here's how he said the kingdom of God comes into a life. He said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. That's how the non-Christian gets ready. It is made ready. That's how you, if you're not yet in the kingdom, enter the kingdom of grace and are ready for the kingdom of glory by now repenting, doing an about turn from your sin to God and Christ and laying hold of all that Jesus did in his life and death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins. Your kingdom come. Praying for the king's work. Now, the kingdom of grace. Future, the kingdom of glory. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for the great King of glory who himself tonight is seated at your right hand and we thank you that he has entered in to the heavens. We thank you that there and from there he carries on his work on this earth and that the kingdom of your grace continues to go forward as Jesus is set forth in the world and before men and before us uh, as the Saviour of the world. We pray tonight that your kingdom will come in the hearts of all of us who believe and that we would know how to pray for others in our family, for others in our community, for others in the nations of the earth, in the light of your kingdom. Lord God, help us too to remember that your kingdom is not just present, it is future. And so to pray for your kingdom to come, your kingdom of glory, when sin will be removed, when Satan will be destroyed and cast into the pit of hell, and all who have not believed with him, and all unrighteousness will be, moved, will be removed from this earth. Help us to live in the light of that coming kingdom, to be prepared for it, and so to serve the King now. Lord God, for any who do not belong to the King tonight, may now by your Holy Spirit they be brought to pray, Lord Jesus, May your kingdom come in my life. Grant repentance. Grant faith. Grant understanding of what Jesus has done. And enable um, such to receive him and to receive the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.